0: Michael
1: McKnight. That's right, Michael McKnight. You probably already know him. I'm not introducing you to anybody new here. There's plenty of reason for you to know him. He won the Triple Crown of 200 Milers in 2017. That's Candace Burt's races. That's the Tahoe 200, Bigfoot 200, Moab 240. He got first place in the Zion 100 in 2018. He got first place in all three 200s that he ran in 2019. And then maybe you saw his documentary about when he got the Colorado Trail FKT. He's a good dude with a good story, and I'm super thankful that he could make time in his busy coaching and training schedule to join me today. So settle in for a 30-minute conversation with Michael Knight. All right, well, welcome to the DFL before DNF podcast. I'm I'm stoked to have Michael McKnight here with us today. Many of my audience, much of my audience, already knows Michael is an admirer of his, but I I, I think that you know if you've watched the documentaries, if you've followed his Triple Crown efforts, his ambitious 2024 race calendar, uh, that you're already inspired. But that's why I think it's even cooler to for for someone like me who's who's out seeking wisdom from from these people who've had noteworthy finishes. And to me, noteworthy is simply finishing a hundred miler at any distance or at any time. And then to get people who can come out in the front of the pack on that. I just think there's a lot of wisdom to be gleaned from that. And so that's why I'm stoked to have Michael here. Michael, thank you for joining us. It's a real, it's a real honor.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the invite. I'm happy to be here. So before we jump in on some of the,
1: the, the running specific stuff, uh, I've caught glimpses of your stories from documentaries and from Instagram, but can you kind of give us the overview? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up?
0: Yeah. So I'm up in the Logan, Utah area, uh, just North of Salt Lake, right on the Idaho, Utah border. And I essentially grew up, this area is called Cache Valley. It consists of like 15 to 25 small towns. Um, so so yeah, it it reminds me a lot of like the Boulder, Colorado area in terms of how it looks. Um, But yeah, so I've essentially grown up here my whole life. I moved to Denver for a very short time period when I used Mm -hmm. to work for Ultra Footwear. Um, Okay. I I quit that job just because I didn't like Denver and came right back to Logan. So are you in a farming community, ranching? I grew up on a dairy farm, and Cache Ah. Valley does have a lot of dairy farms for sure. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, any connection with Utah State University up there? I mean, that's, that's what I know that area for, like at least Cache Valley
0: yeah, I mean the only connection is I got my my bachelor's degree there. Oh, that's a pretty good connection. What'd yeah. you study? Social work. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, and I found that like being because my my profession now is a, a coach, and I found uh-huh. that I I feel like a lot of what I do revolves around social work with coaching.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've <laughs> talked to I talked to Jesse Rich. I don't know if you know Jesse. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was interesting to hear from him that he you know, when you're digging in on, nu- on a nutrition level with somebody, there's some real like counseling. And he was quick to say, you know, if it's serious stuff, I defer to a counselor. But like, if you're getting into like food habits and stuff like that, like that's connected to some pretty deep stuff. I could imagine social work degree comes in handy with that.
0: Yeah. And just in general, I feel like most endurance athletes have some form of trauma <laughs> that they're, they're either working through or have worked through. So it's, um, yeah. yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. I had a buddy who uh, kind of just made note that I often talk about trail running. Like my my journey in trail running is working through my demons, and I always thought of it as an expression. He's like, "Hey, have you ever considered that this <laughs> that, that may not be an expression that 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 might be real for you?" And I thought, you know what, that, that could be true. I don't. I mean, to put ourselves through what we put ourselves through, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you know much about the term like disassociation or a little bit. Yeah, where essentially you kind of disconnect from your. Like your your mind from your body. Um it's it's like a coping habit a lot of people experience um when they've Mm. had trauma through their life. Hmm. And I think, at least in my experience, I I feel like that's why endurance athletes are so good at just pushing through pain is some form of disassociation that that's going on there through potential trauma that they've worked through or are currently working through. Interesting.
1: My my dad uh was a therapist and he worked with something called EMDR. I've heard of that. And he was, he was the first, one of the first people to bring it to Texas in the mid early nineties where, where I grew up and yeah, always. So always working through trauma. Like it was like the, the dinner table (laughs) discussion discussion. But yeah, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting to see like ultra runners turn leverage that into at least on some, like on a micro level, leveraging it into success on the trail but I mean ultimately I think when we what we want for humanity is whole, more whole humans. Yep. <laughs> and you know, maybe maybe that lessens the performance on the trail, but makes them a more whole person. And I think maybe that's what some of us are looking for out there.
0: Yeah. You know, life is not just about running. There's a lot more to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So you uh, you went to Denver, you were with Ultra. One of the things I love about your story, I'd love to you know get you to touch on it is you didn't think of yourself as a runner growing up. You weren't a runner growing up. You discovered a little bit later. Can you talk a little bit about that journey from not being a runner to becoming a runner?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did run when I was, uh, between my freshman and sophomore year to lose weight. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then once I did lose weight, I stopped. Um, I did do football, uh, and I, (laughs) I wasn't good at it. I wrote the position defensive end. Okay. Um, but I rode the bench most of the year, but they did require us to do track if we were on the football team. Okay. And so um, I did run in high school, but I didn't enjoy it. So as soon as high school is over, I quit. Um, and then I served a, a two-year mission for my church. Came Where home. At? Toronto, Canada. Okay. So you didn't
1: pick up a new language or uh, do they speak French? That's
0: Quebec. That is Quebec. Well, actually, so I did speak English. But my mission had it was either seven or eight different languages no because way. Toronto is such a melting pot. It's a very diverse okay. place. Like they, I, we had some missionaries who spoke Farsi. There was Korean. Whoa. There was Mandarin. There was Cantonese. Like there was everything okay. where I was. Well, um, you stayed in English. I stayed in English. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I came home, and um, I, I came home just after the semester started at Utah state. So basically I had four to five months of not really anything to do. So I just started running to get into like a, you know, I was trying to get like a routine going for myself. And what year would that have been? 2012. Okay. Or no, sorry, 2011. Um, so yeah, so I just started running, developed good habits and I ended up starting to like it at that point. I don't know if it's just because I was a little bit older or whatever. Um, and then most of the people who know me know that about a year after I got home from my mission, I broke my back in a skiing accident. Mm, and yep. the the diagnosis or the prognosis, I always get those two words mixed up. But basically, I was told I'd be in bed for months and that I shouldn't even consider running for about a year. Um, and the recovery went by just so much faster than the doctor said it would. And so... Basically, I I lost
1: I lost you there for a second. I lost you at the word prognosis, and and now you're back. I'm sorry about that. Can you start back there?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, So yeah, I don't know the difference between prognosis, diagnosis, but (laughs) I only know I don't know if you're a Seinfeld guy, but there was an episode, and this
1: is maybe over your head, over your age. uh, But prognosis negative. I don't know. There's going to be like five people that know that reference. Anyway, Uh, you're good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, But basically, he told me I'd be in bed for a long time. I shouldn't consider running for about a year. Um, Mm -hmm. So I dropped out of college. I lost my job. Long story short, (laughs) I recovered really fast, started running. Um, It was about three and a half, four weeks after my surgery. And so because I had no school, I had no job, I just started running 10 plus miles a day. And um, (laughs) that's kind of what, do you know who Cody Mm -hmm. Draper is? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. know the name
0: so yeah he's the the race director of the bear 100 um, oh yeah yeah that's why local 100 up here yeah Uh, so i actually ended up getting a new job as a basically a janitor at a an engineering company and i met cody there somebody knew i liked to run introduced me to cody and cody is essentially the one that told me about the world of ultra running and so wow that's kind of how it all started
1: Wow. And then, and then you were in the world of ultra running and then you get a job at ultra. Was that, what was the connection there?
0: Yeah. So Cody, because he was such a big time runner, he was friends with the co-founder Brian Beckstead. And, um, there was just a group run we did once where Brian was there. I met him, we chatted, he found out that I was the, um, the sample size for like their testers. And so he started giving me, um, shoes to test for them and, nice. um, then gave me a job in customer service, and it just all worked out because right when I graduated with my degree, they had a new opening up as a sports marketing manager. Uh-huh. Um, and then even though my degree wasn't in marketing, obviously it was social work. Um, yeah. Like you know, Brian offered me that position, and I was like, "What? Like what? What do you expect me to do? I, I don't know nothing. I don't know anything about marketing."
1: <laughs> right. And
0: he just essentially said, "You're a trail runner." You test the shoes. That's all I care about. You'll figure it out. And then that's how it all, you know, I was with them for four to five years. It was an awesome job. Okay. And then did you jump ship from ultra
1: to go all in on running? Like by that time you probably had, had you already done the, won the triple crown by that point?
0: So it's kind of interesting. So they, we, we got bought and relocated the year that I won Mm. all three of the 200s of the okay. triple crown. So this was 2019. Um, mm-hmm. and we, they actually, they moved to Denver that summer, but they let me, did you lose me again? Nope. No, I got you. Oh, sorry. Um, they moved to Denver that summer and they let me stay until that fall because of the triple crown. And so I moved from Utah to Denver between Tahoe 200 and Moab 200. <laughs> um, <clears throat> went out, did Moab one Moab came back and I just, you know the the vibes at ultra when they were here in utah it was yeah. like show up at 10 leave at four go for a two-hour right. run together at lunch like as long as you're getting your job done it was <laughs> yeah, so right. laid back um yeah but then once we got to denver it just it turned corporate really fast and i, I learned that that's not the the kind of job i cared what for so i just i quit before i had a job even lined up um just because I didn't like being in Denver and just because I felt things were changing too fast. So, yeah. um, no, yeah. I, I didn't, I, I didn't have anything to do when I quit there. It was kind of a leap of faith. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: So yeah. I, you first came on my radar. I was starting to hear your name some, but then I think it was 2018 at Zion and, um, what I love about certain races is also the same thing I hate about certain races is that there's sometimes these long out and backs or these lollipop things that oh, yeah. the, the, slow, the slower runners are entering into this spot. And the first place people are coming around and they're exiting. it So, you know, they're no less than, you know, 15 miles ahead. And I can't remember which Mesa I was going up but you were coming down, clearly looking, you know, very fresh. And I think, you know, I was at mile like 60 something. Uh, but, uh, afterwards come to find out that that was you. And I think you got like 18 hours or like just under 18 hours. I think what year was you wanted, I think it was 2018. I've run it seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, 17, 18, 19. And I, but I, 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 whatever year you won it.
0: Oh yeah. So that actually that year I did it, it was 1656.
1: Okay. So just under 17. Yeah. yeah. And I did it in 28 hours. So you were 12 hours ahead of me. That's the only finish I got. But I just remember seeing you come down thinking, how in the hell does that guy look so fresh, <laughs> that, you know, that many miles ahead of you. But then, you know, then started to follow you after that. So then it sounds like the next year was the Triple Crown year. And so you were st- sort of starting this ascent in terms of, uh, of you know, incredible accomplishments. And then what year was Colorado FKT, the Colorado Trail FKT? 2020. Okay, man. Just so one year after. Not that Zion is up there. I love Zion. I know, but Zion was like that. You know, the ground floor, Triple Crown, Colorado, FKT. Yeah. And this year, you've got some some pretty cool ambition in place. Cocodona, Tahoe, Bigfoot, and uh, Moab 240, right?
0: Yeah, and then also uh, the Divide 200 as well. Oh. It's a new I one up see, in Canada. Uh, where's that one at? It's in the, the Rockies of Canada. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So – uh yeah. How did you, I mean, did you just someday, one day sign up for a 200 and discover that you have, that, that you like it? I mean, talk. how did you get into the 200 scene? You were, you were a little bit earlier. I mean, now it feels like it's exploding, but that triple crown year, I mean, it, it was still plenty of people. I don't know like Candace Burt's always had waiting lists and she's, she's great at marketing and putting on a good event. How did you, how did you find out that that was for you? You just went for it?
0: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I did the triple crown in 2017 as well. I don't know a lot okay. of people. I don't know if they realize that or not, but um, that I basically just did Bigfoot in 2017 to see if I could do it, and that was the first ever year of there being a triple crown. And so okay. after I did Bigfoot, um, I still like I signed up for Tahoe and Moab like a week after finishing Bigfoot. Just because Bigfoot went so wrong and I wanted to see if I could do better.
1: <laughs> wanted to fix it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to fix it. But all three of those races ended up pretty terrible. Um, I just mm. had a lot of issues. But I still got like the overall win for the Triple Crown that year in okay, 2017. A, yeah. yeah. And so, um, I mean, it wasn't much longer after that. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off, which was 2018, the year that I did Zion. Um I'm going to take 2018 off and then in 2019, I'm going to come back and do the triple again just because Mm -hmm. like I had so much go wrong. I just want to see how much better I can do if I like try to like figure out how to fix what went wrong. And so Mm -hmm. I had no intention. Like my only goal that year was to, so like I in 2017, I finished Bigfoot in 72 hours. Um, Tahoe was 67 hours and Moab was 68 hours. And so my goal is just to try to go sub 60 for all three of those races in 2019. And then I just happened to win all three that year. Like I I had no, the only race I wanted to win that year was Moab just because that was like, okay, I've won Bigfoot. I've won Tahoe. I got to try to win this one too. But like Bigfoot and Tahoe, I had no intentions of winning it. I was just trying to better myself. So it's yes. kind of what happened. Like I just tried seeing what I could do, found out that I was like, th- that was the distance that I do best at. And so now that's yeah. kind of the distance I focus on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And okay. So that's important to call this out. That's what, cause I remember 2017 sounds familiar. Now I remember what was unique about 2019 that you won the triple crown, but you got first place in each race. So Correct. you said that you glazed over. I just want to call that out. Like how special of a year that was.
0: And um, I did get some form of course record at each race too that year. Um, Amazing. Wait, wait. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> I don't remember if I. I don't remember if I did at Moab, but I did at Bigfoot and I did at Tahoe. Nice. Yeah. So, wait, but yeah, they're still big standing. Um, Bigfoot is so. When I say some form, um yeah. So Candace, I don't know if she still does that. Well, she can't because it's not a, a loop right now because of the course got destroyed by a fire. Oh, but okay. when she was doing the loop at Tahoe every, I think it was every five years she would reverse directions. Mm. And so Kyle Curtin, the year Kyle C- Curtin and Courtney DeWalter raced Tahoe and Co- Kyle beat Courtney by like 20 minutes or something. Yeah. That was the year that she reversed the loop. Um, Kyle ran it in 49 hours and something minutes. Um, the next year I won it, it was the normal way and I Mm -hmm. did it in 50 hours. So I have the course record for the normal way, but for like overall, like fastest person to run the Tahoe 200, Kyle Curtin still has it, but it was in the opposite direction. I see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That matters. I mean, that's like, that's hard rock vibes, you know, as well, like people having records in one direction, not in the other.
0: Yeah. And then Moab, um, I do have the snow route course record. Um, in 2021, I ran it, and there was a snow. It was that was the year that the DC Peaks had to like rescue everybody off the mountain. You know that race in Salt Lake.
1: I'm sorry, I lost you there. You said in 2021.
0: In 2021, I ran Moab again, but it was a snow year. Um okay. she had to alter the course a little bit, and so I ran. Yes, and- I remember that. I have the course record for that route, but for the actual normal route, Jeff Browning has it. Okay. Did he, did he just get it in 2022? Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and on some levels, this, this transitions nicely, um, you know, that my, my story is I love the hundred miler. I, I mean, I love it. I love the 200 miler. And I interviewed Candice recently, and she was trying to sell me that on. Even though I haven't had successful hundred mile <laughs> attempts, that I just need to jump, jump from the hundred to the two hundred. But you know, I've 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 tried eight times, and I've finished once. And there's a story on all of them, and maybe some of the reasons are justified, and some of them aren't. Ultimately, my issue, uh, my consistent issue is mental weakness, and so this is something that I'm working on. But the the wisdom that I'm seeking, you know, even from you specifically. I mean, the look on your face that is captured on photos sometimes late race, like, or even the Colorado that that great documentary of the Colorado FKT. You know, you, you, the look on your face is that like you're you're done, like you're over it, and then you stand up and go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When I get that look, it, it it's legit over. <laughs> so, what I'm curious about, and you can take this any angle that you want, but it's a very broad, very general question, but how do you keep going? Yeah, when when you're in that space, how do you get up and keep going?
0: Yeah, this, this is a um, this is a deep question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, one of the things, and I know that not everybody can do this, but I, I honestly believe a lot of that comes from just growing up on a dairy farm. Cause mm. I had that face a lot on the dairy farm, like <laughs> being up at two thirty in the morning after being yeah. out till midnight with my friends. Like the last thing I wanted to be doing was milking the cows, feeding the calves, mm. moving pipe, hauling hay. Um oh, that's but, good. Yeah. So I, I just grew up with having that face from just being tired and wasted, but just like, well, this is my life, so I just I got to mm. do it. So I think a lot of that mental. I don't want to say toughness, just mental like acceptance. <laughs> yeah. It's just like accepting, like, this is just how it is right now. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I hurt, but I just got to get the job done. So I'm going to keep going. So mm. I think just like, just accepting it is a big part of it. <clears throat> um, but for me too, and again, this is like, you know, I get, I, I have these conversations a lot with the people that I coach just talking about the why and what are you going to do when you hit mile 80 of a 100 and you're Mm -hmm. done. Like, how are you going to get through it? Like that's got to come from within. It doesn't matter what I do. But for me, like I just, I, I I go back to when I broke my back and I, I mean, when I broke it, I was up on a, a a mountain, a local ski resort. Um, so by the time the ambulance got me, drove me back to the hospital, like I had a few hours to reflect, (laughs) And I, I had a lot of concerns that, you know, like being paralyzed was on my mind. Mm, Um, so being in that state and then being told by the doctor, like, Hey, you have to stay in bed for up to a year. You can't run like all that stuff. Like being in that position, um, Mm. like has kind of changed my, the doctor said a year. Well, he told me I'd be in bed for half a year roughly, but I couldn't run for a year. And then to recall
1: earlier in the interview, did you say you were running three to four weeks later? Yes. Okay. Just, yeah. <laughs> just want to call that out. Okay, yeah. go ahead.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, being in that position, I'm just like, you know, whenever I'm out there suffering, I try remembering all those feelings, try remembering mm-hmm. like being in a spot where I was concerned about being paralyzed, never being able to walk again, and then being told I couldn't run for up to a year. Not mm-hmm. good feelings. And so I just try reminding myself, like, yeah, it sucks. I'm in a lot of pain right now, yeah. but I would much rather deal with this kind of pain and go mm. run 500 miles and try to set a record on the Colorado Trail than yeah. being late, like being laid yeah. up in bed and like, you know, mm. you, you, essentially choosing what kind of pain I want to be in. Like,
1: is is there an element of like uh, of uh, is is that coming from a position of gratitude? in some ways yes yeah
0: yeah just because like i i've said this a lot in podcasts but i feel like and i don't have anything against gamers (laughs) like me and my friend played um halo last night like uh halo online with each other i love playing xbox but Mm -hmm. i always told myself like you know after being through that with how quickly i recovered it would be pretty sad if i just like lived a life where i worked at a desk from eight to five and like just really didn't push my limits. So, so yeah, Yeah. it's just a form of gratitude, essentially like being able to be in a position where I can go run 500 miles when a lot of people can't from a physical standpoint, like I'm going to try to lean into that and just, you know, embrace the suffering. Yeah.
1: And you've been doing, um, let's see on Instagram, a lot of strength training lately. Is that, Uh, I mean, obviously it's useful in your ultra goals. Is that because of your ultra running goals or have you just started to enjoy, you know, weight training?
0: A little bit of both. (laughs) Um, I've been strength training for four or five years now with running, Mm -hmm. but it's been very like two to three days a week, mostly body weight or light dumbbells, light hip type workouts. So this past year is the first year I've really leaned into like the heavy weight lifting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have, like, I enjoy it a lot. Like I almost like it more than running right now. (laughs) Um, Do you get like
1: a high off that? Like I've never really done that. Is that, does it give you a similar, is
0: it like a runner's high, like for weight training? I mean, I'm going to sound like a big, I'm going to sound like a bro right now, (laughs) but I'm sure you heard the (laughs) phrase, like the pump.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I've heard, I've heard other, I I heard some seniors say it when I was in high school that played football.
0: Yeah. Like it's, (laughs) it's, it's essentially the runner's high of lifting. Like, Mm. like just your body just feel like, so yeah, there is an addictive like feeling you get while you're at the gym, (laughs) but I mean, I just feel so much like healthier. Like, Mm. you know, if I go run 10 to 15 miles at tempo pace, like, you know, my hips might be a little bit sore throughout the day and like my legs are achy. Like when I lift weights I don't get that achy feeling I just feel like strong and durable like it just it feels good overall so Yeah yeah Is
1: is the upper body weight that you're building are you finding it useful for your ultra running?
0: Um, I don't know about the upper body weight, if anything, maybe my shoulders just for carrying heavy packs at a 200. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I do do a lot of lower body stuff at the gym deadlifts, squats, single leg squats. So, I mean, it's kind of an experiment, but I mean, in my head, like when you're doing a 200, any ultra, but especially a 200, you're gonna burn through your glycogen, your fat. And then you also are like, you know, your, your body's eating away its own muscle at some point. I mean, you're running two plus days and not eating that much. And so (laughs) in my head, I'm just like, now, obviously I don't want to look like, you know, Hulk Hogan (laughs) or anything like that. But like in my mind, (laughs) like if I can build up a little bit more muscle, then Mm -hmm. my body should be able to last a little bit longer because I have more muscle to wither away essentially. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, well, Michael, I want to I want to honor your time. I know you're a, you're a busy coach, and you're training for like seven thousand miles of racing this <laughs> year. But I, I would love sometime to hear more your your take on raw milk, especially growing up on a dairy farm. I know that's something that that uh, that matters to you uh, among among other things. So I appreciate your time today, your insight, your wisdom. Uh, it'd be fun to watch you this year. If there's ever everything Borderlands can do to support you and what you're doing, don't hesitate to reach out. But I'd love to talk more sometime.
0: Yeah, let's get another time set up.
1: Appreciate right, that. Dude. Hey, I'll put I'll put all of your stuff in the show notes and um, people can find you if they don't already know where you're
0: at. Okay, sounds good. All right. It's too, cold
1: to, run. too, young, too, young. It's too cold to run. It's
0: too cold to run let